Welcome to Beach Athletics All Access, where you get an inside look at the great coaches, student athletes, alumni, and supporters that make Long Beach State Athletics so special. I'm your host, Rob Clark, Senior Associate Athletic Director for External Relations. Hello and welcome to Beach Athletics All Access. Today's guest is track coach Andy Scythe. All right, Coach, uh, you were also a student-athlete. Talk to us about your student-athlete experience and, and how you took your, your love then of track and field and became a student-athlete. I think all my uh, passion for the sport was fostered by the coaches that I had. Um, great programs, great leaderships from my club coaches through my high school programs, uh, and that gave me the inspiration and the positive experiences that it took to, to move along in the field and continue to pursue it. So by the time I got to high school, I already knew I wanted to be a coach. Um, the influences that those coaches had on me uh, uh, was that inspiration and started coaching age group track in high school. Um, did a year of that and then moved on to the college level where I then began coaching high school track and field for a while towards the end and then um, moved right out of that into a uh, kind of an internship with the track and field program at my alma mater, San Diego State. And that led me to Long Beach State. Talk to us from that time you went from San Diego State to Long Beach State because you were at one point the youngest Division One coach in track and field in the country. How did how did this all come about? Well, uh, you know, I had a uh, big decision to make: uh, stay at my alma mater, which I loved, uh, or to find experiences that were going to prepare me to move forward in the sport as a coach. And at San Diego State, there wasn't a lot of room for growth. Um, a lot of bases were covered. The coaching staff uh, had their responsibilities. And so I was just a small piece of what was going on. And my desire to uh, expand and gain more experiences uh, led me to Long Beach, where there was a great mentor. I was told a few things about Long Beach State um, by Fred Miller, the athletic director at San Diego State, who was really kind of one of the uh, preeminent, or, or I should say prominent, athletic directors in the United States. He was a great leader amongst uh, ADs. So uh, I took his advice um, uh, to heart. He said, you know, first of all, you want to get experiences elsewhere um, because you'll be very narrow if you stay at one place. Um, and if you're going to choose any of the multiple choices that I had to go to, uh, go to Long Beach State because the people there make it great. And it's a diamond in the rough. And I came here and found that to be exactly the truth. And expand on that. Why is Long Beach State such a special place to coach? Well, location here is fantastic. Um, and there are places that have great location, but truly it is the people. Um, it's the experience. It's the friendliness. It's the city itself is a, a very welcoming um, and focused city on sports. And that has made um, our potential greater. Uh, I think, well, I know the diversity of our campus has led to uh, our successes because people, when they come to Long Beach State, they feel comfortable. Um, you have every walk of life here, you know, socioeconomic, race, whatever it may be, um, people feel at home because uh, there's m many like them here. You know, that's great. Now, you came in as a young coach. and How did you then learn? It's, I mean, it's, it's a learning experience when, when you're younger in the career. How did you go from you know, being a young coach to this prolific resume that I just read a few minutes ago? Uh, well, the, I would say the first thing was the experiences I had with the leadership that I had. I had great mentors to refer to and then great mentors in the program uh, with Ralph Lindemann. So um, Dixon Farmer, my co coach at San Diego State, has been with me all along the way, is still with me. 
um, as a guide, uh, as a resource. And when I came to Long Beach State, I just took on everything. Um, wanted to get broad experience, but also needed to master some things too. And so I learned a lot about organization. Um, that was a key component that I had to have to be prepared to do anything else. There's been a lot of learn by doing. Um, there's no question about it at Long Beach. And we started, when I took over, there, there was not a track here to run on. Uh, and then we went through that experience later. That helped me um, for when we went through that 10-year drought of not being able to compete at Long Beach State on our facility until the, until the new, new facility was built. So um, I had to grow up a lot. You know, I had to, to make choices, and life is about choices. And so um, to put myself in a position to be authoritative and, and a leader, but someone that the athletes can come to and trust and know that I'm there for them 100%, um, led to, I believe, uh, an easy transition. Um, but it also took 90-hour to 100-hour weeks and a few <laughs> other things to really make sure everything was done. Now, now you've been here for 27-plus years. How? What's kept you here? What, what's kept you? I mean, you've seen people come and go here at Long Beach State. Well, what about it's kept you here? Well, you know, people do come and go, but I think the thing that's kept the others here, because we've had coaches like Brian Gimolero, mm -hmm. great coaches, um, Troy Buckley, um, many, many more who have stayed at Long Beach State. Alan Knipe, I mean, that guy is an amazing coach. And so um, all of us stay here because it is a great place, and the people here make it great, and, and our administration works very hard to make the experience for the student-athletes positive, but also to aid our coaches and our jobs. So there's that. It's the location. And again, it's, it's, it always comes back to the talent pool of the area. Um, our facilities are now, you know, the best. And, and so knowing that that was coming down the pipe um, gave us the hope that we would be able to take the, our program to that next level. And now that we're here and going that direction, um, it's been a weight you know, that's paid off for us. Let, let's talk about the Jack Rose track now. What's been the impact? Uh, would you explain... Uh, in your terms, too, how this this facility came about, how it uh, was built, what the impact on the program's been. Even talk about the surface, too, as well. Okay. Well, the program uh, was in need of a facility after almost 20 years uh, of the track not being resurfaced and, and having some issues, some sub-base issues. Uh, it became very clear after researching it that we weren't just going to be doing a surface over on our facility, which gave us an opportunity to start over and create a facility that's done right. Um, in that time frame, while we were trying to make that happen, uh, we began to build and grow events like our Beach Invitational, which we'll probably talk about later. But the Beach Invitational has grown to be uh, of such proportion um, that to come back to a facility much like the one we had prior to um, departing from here uh, you know, was not going to work. Uh, we would not be able to be able to put on the events that we do. And so we did. We are aiming to be the best invitational in the country. And we're going that way. And, and so when it came back to designing a facility, we had to design a facility to handle championship events and a major invitational. And in doing so, we... Um, we basically laid out a plan that would create an IAAF facility, one of the few certified facilities in the nation, um, and that would have multiple runways, dual runways, which are requirements for the NCA when you host an NCA level type of event. Of event. And, and uh, it took a lot of people to make that happen, vice presidents, presidents, you know, um, 
donors, you, you name it. Um, and Tom Van Zandt, a, a leader in our program, you know, someone who invested his time and money to uh, kind of create the blueprint um, and pay for that so that we can see that um, and show it to people. That was really, I think, the key part to making this all work. Now, you've been uh, building the Beach Invitational. Uh, talk to us about the impact of that, that as well as the impact not only on the school, but the community and, and Long Beach in general. So, yeah, we've, we've been hosting that meet for over 20 years, and it started out very small, and our facility at the time at Long Beach State when we were using it uh, was a facility that can only handle kind of a small meet. When we moved off-site, uh, we kind of took away the event from Long Beach. It wasn't really a Long Beach event or a community event, but we grew it because the facility could handle that. So when we returned last year for the first time on our, our new facility, uh, it was a smash. Um, you know, we hit it out of the park with the type of uh, facility, the way we run things, because we run very good meets. Uh, to put on a 12-hour track meet, you know, that ran on schedule, um, you know, for the most part, we got a little behind at the beginning and then got back on. Um, says a lot to the management of our events. But um, we have now grown it to the point where it is a premier event to come to. Um, universities want to send their athletes for the competitiveness of the meet, but also for the type of facility and the conditions they're going to get to run in. And um, now it's a first choice on, on everyone's schedule. And we've already had uh, the Big West Championships there last year on Fox Sports. I mean, so it's, it's out there. I mean, this, this facility and the, the impact already is being seen. In just a short, what, year and a half here now? It's yeah, a very short amount of time. And, and uh, you know, our facility has a great look. We went with a two-tone, you know, charcoal gray and, and uh, light gray um, to kind of keep it in the context of our, our facility. And um, one of the few in the country that went with those colors. And, and now I've got people calling me and asking, hey, you know, what did you do? And, and some local facilities have now gone to the gray. Uh, it's a great look, and it really features the athletes. So um, we know that... You know, not only is the quality of the facility that Biden put in um, top rate, but the look is also very important to us, and we succeeded. So, for many of our fans who haven't been out there, and we need to get them out there, uh, talk talk to that this group here about how does the track scoring system work? And you have an individual sport within the team concept. Can you, can you share and how that scoring system works as well? Well, you know, in our sport, a lot of things have to deal with qualifying. So uh, university coaches put a big emphasis on getting to places that will lend itself, lend itself to top performances. That's competition and also, um, you know, could be wind conditions, uh, temperature, you know, those kind of things. And we just sit in that ideal situation. So everything is geared towards getting their athlete to get a qualifying mark. So you have to do that. But in the sport, what we've lacked over years and where we're turning to a little bit now is to, uh, to get in that scoring competitive mode where you just have dual meets and head-to-head -head competitions or four-way meets that aren't going to run you 12 hours a day. You know, they're going to finish in a three-hour you know, format, almost like a basketball game, and package it for the spectator. So we kick off an event like that with our UCLA Long Beach State Duel on March 4th that's coming up. And then we also have uh, later um, a quadrangular meet that's got about 25 years history with schools from our conference. And that'll be in April and then uh, the beach invite to follow. So it gives us that chance to really package something for the spectator that they'll enjoy and it just keeps moving. Great, and you've had some tremendous athletes come through the program and you've had 18 Olympians come through the program as well as uh, 
just a tremendous amount of success as a team as well winning conference championships. What have you done to build this championship culture? Well, uh, you know, everything begins with your coaches and, and to have a uniform philosophy about what we're trying to do. Uh, first of all, our coaches have a great passion for the sport. But to convey that passion into the athlete and then have that athlete bring the work ethic uh, that it takes and then that family feel, and, and I have to say that's probably the biggest ingredient right now that's working for us so well is creating that family culture and, and that pride. So when we step out there, you know, if it's just our 100-meter runners on the line, we want our 100-meter runners to take great pride in their success and that the team take pride in that. And then when we move to the pole vault, you know, we take great pride in that, and we're going to always have a great showing. Um, you know, guys like that, you know, just in the last three conference championships, for example, there's eight scoring spots at a meet, and we've put five, five guys in the scoring spots. That's only leaving three spots for the other schools in the conference to score. So, you know, when you can come in and, and just really overwhelm, you know, and take over the point scoring, um, it leads to championships, and, and that family and that pride is part of that. Incredible. Now you've had some elite athletes come through as, here, here as well. What is the difference in your mind between the student athlete that does well and, and is successful and the elite student athlete in, in the sport of track and field? Well, you know, you begin with talent, and, and talent really will take itself to that level if you, cult, you know, create that culture and, and create the development. So uh, most of the athletes we've had here go on to be highly successful have been athletes that had to be developed. They weren't always the number one out of high school. They were, you know, down on the, the list a little bit. But finding and identifying that kid that has that ability, um, whether it's, you know, just purely talent. Um, some of them have moved in other events that, uh, that we didn't recruit them for, but we found that they had exceptional ability. And to do that, I have to have great coaches. The, the coaches that can work and develop that. And so um, guys like Willie Alexander, for example, who come in as a triple jumper, who ends up being an NSA runner up in the long jump when he didn't have the big marks in the long jump, and then all of a sudden becomes a sprinter, not because we wanted him to be a sprinter, but because we were training him more like a sprinter to help his jumps. And as a result, we ended up finding this diamond in the rough in the sprints, and Willie ended up going out and being conference runner-up in the 100 and the 200 and leading off the 4 by one as our pit bull, okay, the guy that just gets us going. Um, that led to 42 points, and, and 42 points at a conference championship is really unheard of. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I chuckle a little bit, but, you know, there was a team in our conference that, that scored less points than Willie by himself, so... You know, uh, he was a one-man wrecking crew. Yeah, but we have a few of those guys on the team. So it's it's something that we take great pride in. And that culture really helps lend itself to that. You mentioned Willie, but obviously there are many others. Um, I've been so impressed not only with, with their athletic ability, but just genuinely good people, your student athletes. And what do you do to continue to build them as people, as a coach, during this process? Well, first, I want to thank you for that compliment. It's something we also take great, a great amount of pride in. Um, it begins with our recruiting. It's finding the right people. And you don't change people. Um, you can motivate people, but you don't change their basic nature. And, and so finding the right fit. Sometimes you turn down you know, a kid with a better mark because it's just not feeling right. And we've had many of those. 
where we just felt like that person wasn't going to lend itself to that culture that we were trying to. We don't want a selfish culture out here. We want a inclusive culture, and that culture needs to be about all of us are contributing to something, and we're doing it together. Um, so that's where we come from, and and that recruiting is the key component. Um, it's not hard to find those people. There are a lot of great individuals out there. Um, to have a place where they're going to be happy also helps. You know, you get mopey people, they don't like the environment. Eh, it's going to change things out there a little bit for us. So um, it's important that we do our job as coaches to keep that culture um, a, a driven culture, but also one where there's that great amount of fun and, and um, oh, what am I trying to say, that passion. And, and that's definitely in our team. Now, every sport has this, and track feels no different. The adversity is going to come. Uh, sometimes comes in different forms and fashions of injuries or otherwise. How have you approached as a coach and, and in your own individual life when adversity strikes, uh, how to help others through this to, to make them stronger on the other end? Well, I was probably one of the more blessed athletes coming through a system where my high school and my college basically had everything in place. So I hadn't experienced a lot of adversity until I came to Long Beach State. And when I arrived here without the facility, only one, two coaches on staff, um, I, I earned a whopping $6,000 my first year, <laughs> you know, while I was working on my master's and doing a lot of other things in the coaching. Um, I got to experience adversity right off the bat. Um, my first year as head coach, when I took over, uh, we didn't have enough uniforms for the team. We were swapping uniforms at the at competitions. We didn't have enough sweats that I could find my team when I walked in the stadium. Uh, we went to the conference championship, and one of our hotel rooms caught on fire in between <laughs> day one and day two, and we were sitting in seventh place. Wow. Uh, kids' shoes were burned. Their laptops were burned. You know, the uniforms are burned. And now we're trying to figure it out. And and yet we bounced back and we were resilient. In my first championship, our guys got up there and got into second place at the end of that day. You know, you could say we lit a fire under ourselves, you know, <laughs> if you want to make a joke about it. But um, at the end of the day, um, all we've experienced has been adversity. And when you get in that environment where you understand that, that you know, not having a track to compete on it t for 10 years at home um, you know, is a little bit of an adversity or, or having to go train off site for a year because the track's under construction is that adversity. Um, we've been through weight rooms that weren't so nice, and now we have these great, you know, weight rooms and, and wonderful facilities. You know, I almost get a little concerned that we're going to get a little soft, <laughs> you know, because we like that adversity. It makes us better. And, you know, nobody ever thinks it's that thrilling or exciting when you just have the road paved for you. And, and, you know, athletes we have never have had the road paved for them. So when they come here, you know, they bring that work ethic, that work culture. And, you know, granted, we hope we bring them a lot of success and they get comfortable with that. Um, but we also hope that makes them hungry to continue to bring that uh, to the table. So um, once it's not hard to create the adversity, um, but sometimes you worry a little bit about um, too much success, you know, mm -hmm. because that does get us to be a little complacent sometimes. And along that vein, you hear of a one-time conference champion, uh, and then the two-peat comes out, and then three-peat, and now four-peat. Talk to us about how, how do you sustain excellence like this? What, what are the things that you do 
and and help student athletes do to continue to sustain this run and this excellence that that you've had well if we've done our job and i i i hope we have um that the athletes do that for you um they're the ones you know we can talk about championships all the time and and when when we won our first my first championship in 2006 my athletes told me that they didn't believe me, that they didn't think they could win that championship. And um, they heard me preaching it, but they really didn't feel that that was going to happen. But once that group tasted it and they knew that they could, it created that environment that we needed to keep it going because now they believed. And once you get someone to believe and then you always continue to work at that level and continue to succeed, um, it, it perpetuates and, and it creates that culture. So we've been sustaining that culture ever since that 2006 team based on um, believing and, and feeling good about what we were doing and who we were with and that you know these guys are going to go to battle. When we went into the championship last year, I truly, in my heart, believe that was the end of our streak. And, and we got into the blocks and our guys just took over. And we went based on our projections, based on rank going in, we we ended up scoring 51 more points than I had anticipated. Mm. And it came from everywhere. So when you talk about what we do, um, we facilitate things, but the athletes really are in charge, you know, when it comes to game day and performances like that. And our guys just, you know, they hit it out of the park. So it's a lot of fun. Incredible. Now, 2017 is a special year, and it's not not often a program can tout that it has won a national championship. Talk to us about uh, the celebration this year and the things that are going on to celebrate the team from 50 years ago. Well, yeah, we are celebrating a golden anniversary of the 1967 men's track and field NCAA championship and bringing back those guys to honor them, to recognize them for this amazing achievement something that only one program out of 300 and some odd Division I schools every year can, can uh, really talk about. Um, these are guys that, that probably had more adversity than we ever had. Um, I hear the stories about how they went to the NCAA meet in a, in a VW van, you know, and there was a hole in the floor and they can see the road passing below them. I mean, these guys, they didn't know what it was like. A lot of them didn't even have athletic aid mm. um, that's offered now. So, um, you know, I'm probably looking forward to the stories from these guys, but to, to have them come back and see each other after so many years of being apart, um, I know is going to be a special occasion for them and, and a real educational experience for our athletes and our coaches on our staff to hear, you know, all those uh, legendary stories about the great things that they did. Um, the impressive thing, and I just want to tout these guys a little bit, um, when they went to that NCAA championship that year, uh, they ended up doubling the score on the number two team. So wow. they just took off. Uh, we had multiple NCAA champions, individual champions, runners-up, top three, All-Americans, you know, across the board. And, you know, I, I can't say enough about a kind of guys like that. They probably are much similar to the teams we have now where they, where they really just kind of uh, went beyond, you know, and, and went to that next level because they were there for each other. Incredible. And now when's the celebration going to occur again? Well, we're going to do that at the UCLA-Long Beach State Duel in the uh, early part of March. So that will be a big event. Um, and uh, we'll take them out on the track, you know, and, and have them introduced. And then we're going to go to a basketball game afterwards and introduce them again there and in front of more fans um, uh, showing 
that championships are a part of the culture of not just our track and field program, but of Long Beach State Athletics as a whole. Absolutely. And I think the key is we need to get more and more people out to see the incredible student athletes we have out there at the Jack Rose track and field. So, uh, Andy, it's been a, an absolute pleasure here. Now, before we jump to the end here, are there any things you'd like our fans to to hear about the program that we may may not have discussed today already? Well, you know, every year we have new faces um, and we have old faces. And so, you know, many of those that they're familiar with already, the Riley Cooks, you know, Big West Athlete of the Year on the women's side last year, high point score of the meet, athlete of the meet. Um, you know, I think she had three school records last season. Obviously, she's just one of those. Many, many names. The Kamani Briggs, who was, you know, um, is really one of the top long returning, returning long jumpers in the nation this year. Um, you know, we're, we're really trying to expand on our sprints program, expand on our jumps program, and we've really built out and got better depth. So they can anticipate seeing uh, our throwers, our jumpers, our sprinters, and our distance program doing some things um, even a little better than we have last year in a different way. Um, we had so many top performers. Now we're getting this depth and we're cultivating them and maturing them and, and developing them to come to the top. And so we're going to see some strong uh, performances over a couple of years. So come out now, get to know who these guys are. They're going to be around for a while and, and then watch them perform. And that's what they want to do is they want to perform. Um, I guess, uh, you know, we're always looking to the future. And, and I want to see our facility grow and build out a stadium and build out lights and bring national level of meets, meets here, create a business model for our city um, to look at bringing these events here so that we can do um, the big things that we have the potential to. Um, it's always been about potential for me. That's why I stayed at Long Beach State. That's why um, it is such a draw for so many people. And we're just scratching the surface. So I'm looking forward to the future and, and uh, giving, getting the community involved and making this, um, you know, all the successes we've had are, are just only a tip on the iceberg. We can do so much more. That's incredibly exciting. Andy, thank you again. Appreciate all that you do for the university, for student-athletes, and, and for your vision in, in building this program. So th and thank you for being here. <laughs> uh, you're very welcome. Thank you for uh, for uh, having me on the show and uh, talking about the, the program. We're very proud. Big Go Beach. Go Beach. The Beach All Access Podcast is a presentation of the Long Beach State Radio Network on K Beach. Go Beach.